Well, today we're continuing with our message series called Power for Life. Uh, this is the third part of this message series. If you missed any of the first two, I'd really encourage you to uh, catch up by watching them online. The videos of the message are online, either on our website, uh, YouTube, or Facebook, and I encourage you to watch them, watch them. Now, the key verse in this message series, and I'd encourage you to follow along, we have a white page in the middle of your bulletin, and that has the outline there with the verses, fill in the blank there. The key verse for this message series, and really the whole book of Acts, is Acts 1.8. And it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so these were Jesus' very last words before he ascended into heaven. We see in the book of Acts, the next verse, he ascended into heaven. And so these were Jesus' very last words. And I believe the Bible makes it clear that our primary purpose as followers of Jesus Christ are to be his witnesses. Now, one day, as believers, we're all going to be in heaven. And when we are in heaven, we're going to continue to worship God, just as we do down here. When we are in heaven, we're going to have fellowship with other believers. They're going to be in heaven with us, just as they are down here. When we're in heaven, the Bible tells us we're going to keep on learning more about God. God is infinite. And we're going to keep on learning about Him throughout eternity, just as we're learning about Him down here. When we're in heaven, we're not going to be floating on clouds, just plucking a harp. We're going to be serving God in many different ways, just as we serve Him down here. And so I've just talked about four out of the five biblical purposes that God has for us. The four that I've mentioned, we're going to be doing them in heaven as we do them down here. But the fifth purpose that God has for us, the only biblical purpose that we can't fulfill in heaven is that of being a witness. That of telling other people about Jesus who do not yet know him. Why is that? Well, there are no unbelievers in heaven. Uh, they're not there. And so that is why these last words that Jesus commanded are so very important. He said, you need to receive the Spirit's power in order to fulfill this primary purpose of being a witness for me. And so today in our third part in this series, we've entitled it, How to Receive Spirit Baptism. That's what Jesus was talking about in Acts 1.8, the power to be his witnesses, was given to his disciples, is given to his disciples through spirit baptism. Now this power that we're talking about, we need to be careful that we don't regard it as an impersonal force. Right? The force be with you. Right? Anybody heard that before? You know, Star Wars, it's an impersonal force in Star Wars. Well, the power that we're talking about here is not an impersonal force. The power that we receive at spirit baptism, comes from the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. And when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to take control of your life in every respect. The, the Spirit is no longer, as a believer, just living in the recesses of your heart. At spirit baptism, the Spirit erupts throughout your life throughout your tongue, through your tongue, and through your mind as well. Jesus put it this way in John 7. He said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, 
out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So what was Jesus talking about here? We're saying when he ascended into heaven, when he was glorified, he would give the Spirit. He would pour out the Spirit on believers. And that happened on the day of Pentecost. That's what the believers in Acts 1-8 were told to wait for. And so according to Jesus, the Spirit baptism then results in the Spirit flowing out of a believer's life like what? Like rivers of living water. And so when a person is baptized with the Spirit, he enters into a supernatural partnership with the Holy Spirit. And so God's will, as we've talked about in Acts 2, 38 and 39, is for every believer to be, well, every person to be saved first, number one, number two, to be water baptized, and number three, to be spirit baptized. After Acts 2, after the day of Pentecost, the New Testament, the rest of the New Testament assumes that every believer has received spirit baptism and speaks in tongues, which is the sign of spirit baptism. And we're going to be talking a lot more about what speaking in tongues is all about. There's all kinds of wrong information out there that is not biblical. A message next Sunday would be called Gateway into the Supernatural. But today I want to tell you the story of my personal encounter with the Holy Spirit. My father was a Baptist pastor, and so I was raised as a Baptist. Now, if you were here last Sunday, we kind of explained to you all the denominations, how they came about in church history and where they were at in beliefs with respect to the three essential doctrines taught in Acts 2.38. And if you remember, the Baptists got salvation by faith right. They got water, believers' baptism by immersion right. But spirit baptism, never heard of it. I guess it was in there, never talked about it didn't understand it at all. And so I was saved at the age of four. My mother told me about Jesus, and I still remember the, I remember the scene, sitting on my bed in my bedroom, telling me about Jesus, sharing with me a little book that I shared with you sometimes that I still have about Jesus being the captain of my life. And I asked Jesus to forgive my sins, come into my life, and be the captain of my life. So I was saved at age four. I was water baptized at age nine in obedience to Jesus' command. But I didn't know anything about really the Holy Spirit. I thought the Holy Spirit lived inside of me, which he did. But other than that, that was about it. When I was in college, I led a small Bible study group. And uh, I led it, I co-led it with another college girl. And uh, on a Christmas break one year, my co-leader went to visit some friends down in Florida. And when she came back to Iowa we all noticed that she was different. Something had changed. It wasn't like she was a bad person before. She was a Christian. She was leading a Bible study. But she just changed. She became a bolder witness. She was filled with more joy. She had a, a greater passion for God's Word. I mean, she just was vibrant with something. We didn't know what it was. Everybody in the Bible study group said, what, what's happened to you? And she told us that when she was in Florida, she went to a church and she'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit and now regularly spoke in tongues. And we go, like, what is that? I mean, we didn't know what it was. I was intrigued. Uh, 
the changes that I saw in her life were all positive. There was nothing negative about it. And it's like I, I wanted to be more like she was. But I was cautious because I was a Baptist. And I'd even heard that Baptist said speaking in tongues was of the devil. You know, and I, I didn't even know if it was in the Bible or not. And so the next spring break, I and some other other students from the Bible study, we took a trip to Florida. You know, we thought, well, if she got it down there, then maybe, maybe it'll happen for us too. We weren't too sure, but we wanted to find out more. So we attended the church. Uh, we were down there for about a week. We attended the church that she had gone to, and the Sunday we went, they didn't even talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, it was just like, you know, it was a fine church and everything, and so uh, nothing really happened. As we went to that church, I did pick up a small booklet they had there on spirit baptism, which was filled with all kinds of Bible references. And so I came back to Iowa. Nothing had changed in my life. I really hadn't learned anything because they didn't talk about it there. And, uh, I, but I had this little booklet. I began to read the booklet, which had a lot of references from which book in the Bible do you think? Acts. had a lot of reference from Acts. So I thought, I better read Acts again. I mean, I'd read it. And I started to read Acts over and over again. I read Acts multiple times. And as I read it, I was amazed at everything that I had missed. Uh, things I had thought it was just ancient history. It didn't apply to us today. I thought, well, maybe it does. I mean, maybe God's trying to tell us something. Tell me something. And as I read, I became convinced that Spirit baptism was, was taught in God's word and was God's will for every believer. Now, I'm still going to a Baptist church. My father is the pastor, and he knows nothing about, well, he knew I went to Florida, and I told him some of the things, but he, in fact, he wrote his dissertation in seminary, amazingly enough, and how the Holy Spirit baptism was not for today. <laughs> Anyhow, that's a whole other story. But um, <clears throat> one day I, I felt led by God to fast, and I asked the Bible study group, including the, my co-leader, to pray uh, for me that day. I got alone in my room, and I simply for the first time asked Jesus to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And as I asked him, I, I sensed something. I, I sensed the Holy Spirit come upon me, and I began to speak in a language that I didn't know what I was saying. And I don't think at that point I'd ever heard anybody else speak in tongues. I mean, we didn't do it in our Bible study group. I just, uh, I began to do that. And everything, I felt everything was changing in my life. From that day, I had a greater desire to read God's Word, and it made so much more sense to me. I began to have a new appreciation for the Bible. I, I continued to pray in the Spirit, to pray in, the tongue, in tongues every day, and I began to hear God speak to me in a way I'd never heard Him speak before. I mean, I, it's always sounded strange to me, God speaking to people, as I can read God's word, is that God, well, yeah, God speaks, but God can speak directly to you. And I began to hear God speak directly to me. 
in different Bible studies I was at, including the one in college, I, God began to use me in the prophetic gift of prophecy, that God would speak through me to other people in the group. I began to be used by God in praying for people to be healed, and they were healed. And so my relationship with the Holy Spirit was taken to a much deeper level than I had before that time. I was saved. I was water baptized, but I had never received spirit baptism until that day in college a number of years, a few years ago. And now years later, I'm very grateful to God for taking a, a Baptist boy who knew nothing of the Spirit of God and somehow working it so that uh, I became aware of it. I became, uh, began to get some accurate teaching and God worked in my life in that way. And the end result was eventually my father got baptized in the Holy Spirit, my mother, my whole family, and all kinds of other, and that's a whole other story. But even today, I still feel like I barely scratched the surface of the supernatural power that God has for me in my life. There's always so much more. And as we're going to learn, spirit baptism is not the end. It's not the Holy Grail. It's just the beginning. It's the very first thing that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost was for every believer. It was just the beginning step. And so this morning, at the end of the message, we're going to pray and any here that have not received spirit baptism, we're going to pray and believe God uh, that you will be filled with the Spirit in that way as well. But today we're going to continue our study in the book of Acts as we've been studying for the most part throughout this series to learn more about spirit baptism. And we're going to look, first of all, at spirit baptism in the life of Apollos. Now the example of Apollos, which we're going to be looking at in Acts chapter 18, is not normally talked about as an example of spirit baptism. However, when we take the passage about Apollos in Acts 18 and line it up with the next passage on the Ephesians in Acts chapter 19, each incident informs the other and we're absolutely meant by the author, by Luke, to be read together. Uh, they inform each other. Now, sometimes we get hung up in the chapter divisions in the Bible. The chapter divisions in the Bible were not in the original text. I mean, they were added in the 13th century. And so sometimes we get hung up. Oh, the chapter ends here. That must, no, they, they weren't ever there. And sometimes we get a little messed up, and that's clearly the case between Acts 18 and 19. So let's talk a little more about Apollos. First of all, in order to be spirit baptized, you have to be saved. You can't be spirit baptized if you're not first saved. So Acts 18.24, now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. And remember that city, Ephesus, is important in tying these two accounts together. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He, was in, uh, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. And so this is our first introduction to Apollos. He was a Jew. He'd been trained in Old Testament scriptures. Somebody, we don't know who, somewhere had discipled him, instructed him in the way of the Lord. In other words, he'd been saved. Uh, he was a believer. Not only had he been saved, but he was being used by God in quite important ways. Uh, he was teaching others accurately about Jesus. And as we're going to see as we move on, we're going to see that people were saved as the result of his ministry. And you think, well, he must have it all. He's fervent in spirit, teaching accurately things concerning Jesus, eloquent, competent in the scriptures. And yet, 
there were a number of things that Apollos didn't understand correctly. There were things that he had not yet experienced in his life that were going to give him even greater power that he knew nothing about. And so, when we are saved, there's more for us. And Apollos and we need to be open to learning new things. Verse 25, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak uh, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And so Apollos, at the beginning, he knew about Jesus' ministry, he knew about his death, he knew about his resurrection, but the only water baptism Apollos knew was the baptism of John, John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was offered to those who repented during the ministry of Jesus on this earth before he died. Jesus himself was baptized by John the Baptist. But after Jesus rose from the dead, he instructed his, his disciples or his disciples to baptize new believers in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That was true Christian baptism. John's baptism was obsolete after Jesus died and rose from the dead. Today, many people think water baptism is, is not very important. Many people think the details are not important, but that's not, not true at all. Water baptism is very important, as are the biblical instructions, which speak only of believers' baptism by immersion. And so this teaching team of Priscilla and Aquila, it's interesting, of course, that Priscilla is the woman, Aquila is the man. Her name is first, which means she was the most important person of the team. They didn't publicly correct him, right? Hey, Apollos, you're wrong. We're going to tell you all in front of all the people you're wrong, his teaching is wrong. No, they took him privately aside, and it says they explained to him the way of God more accurately. They explained to him that uh, baptism now is not John's baptism, but true Christian baptism was in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, to his credit, what did Paulus do? Did he say, you know, I'm doing just fine. I don't need that. Just uh, stay away. No, he was open to learning new things. Learning new things about God and obeying what God said. Which what they taught him, confident as we look through the whole passage, 18 and 19, they taught him about water baptism in Jesus' name and spirit baptism. And it's clear that he was. Verse 27, when he wished to cross, it is Apollos, to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. And so now we see Apollos here. It's important for the story as we go on in the message today. He left Ephesus. He went to another place, but his preaching before had been termed accurate. What is it termed now? Powerful, okay? His preaching now was powerful. It was, not, it was even more accurate because Priscilla and Aquila had helped him to understand some things he didn't understand before, and now it was, was powerful. 
So why wasn't Apollos spirit baptized? And the simple answer is wrong teaching. He hadn't been taught, or maybe lack of teaching. Uh, he simply hadn't been taught. He didn't know. And that's the case of millions of Christians today, just either wrong teaching uh, or no teaching at all. That was the case of myself as a Baptist, Baptist pastor's son. Many churches teach that everyone is automatically spirit-baptized at salvation. And as we'll see today, that's not what the Bible teaches. Others teach that spirit baptism and the gift of tongues happened way back then, but they don't, no longer happen today. The Bible doesn't teach that as at all. In fact, as we read in Acts 2.39, the gift of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, is for people of all ages of all times. It spells it right out there. So in order to overcome wrong teaching in your past, you must be open to learning new things from the Bible, just as Apollos was. Some people find it hard to admit that their Christian life is deficient. Now, Apollos could, could have taken that route. He says, look, I'm doing pretty good. I'm talking about Jesus. People are being saved. I know all my Old Testament scriptures. Uh, but he came to the point where he admitted that there were things he didn't understand. There were experiences he had not yet experienced, experiences with God. And so pride, Apollos was a humble man. Pride will keep people from receiving spirit baptism. If you think you've got it all, you don't need God's gifts, then you're not going to receive from God. Other people are afraid of what their friends might think if they're spirit baptized. Maybe they're just going to go crazy or something. They're afraid of what people may think. But in order to grow in God, we've got to learn and experience new things in God. We always test it by God's Word, by the Bible. So we've talked about spirit baptism in Paulus. Now let's see how that dovetails on with chapter 9, spirit baptism in the Ephesians. Remember, Ephesus is where Apollos first taught, and then he experienced water and spirit baptism. In verse 1 of chapter 19, it says, It happened while Apollos was at Corinth, he traveled from Ephesus to Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And so these disciples that Paul found were believers in Jesus. They were saved. They were undoubtedly taught by who? By Apollos. And as we'll see, they were undoubtedly taught by Apollos before he was instructed more accurately by Priscilla and Aquila. We're going to learn next through this passage that spirit baptism is not automatic. Verse 2, and he, that is Paul, said to them, which were these disciples of Jesus in Ephesus, he asked them a question. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And so Paul's question to these believers in Ephesus completely refutes the doctrine that spirit baptism is automatic for every believer at salvation. Does it not? What are the two possible answers to this question? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Yes or no? First of all, he is acknowledging that these were believers. And then he's asking, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they could answer yes, or they could answer no. What did they answer? No. And they said, no, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And so 
Paul's question indicates that a person may receive spirit baptism in close proximity to when they believe, or they may not. The Ephesian disciples had, had believed. Their answer was no. They, Apollos really didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. He didn't know anything about baptism either. And so the, the next thing that the normal sequence in Acts, as we'll see next Sunday, it's not the absolute sequence, but the normal sequence is next water baptism. And so proper water baptism is important. So Paul then said to these disciples, these believers in Ephesus, he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And where have we heard that before? Apollos, right? That's his wrong teaching. And Paul said, well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized, this is water baptism, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so these disciples had not been spirit baptized, so Paul next inquires about their water baptism. And again, it totally fits with this previous uh, section in Acts chapter 18 that they've been taught by Apollos, who was only teaching John's baptism. Paul told them the time for John's baptism is over. Uh, Jesus has been resurrected. Now you need to be water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so these disciples as well learned something new from Paul. And they followed through by being water baptized in Jesus' name. And what happened next? Well, spirit baptism was evidenced by tongues. It says when Paul had laid hands on them, this Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying there were about 12 men in all. And so, of course, one thing was yet lacking. They'd been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, but they had not yet been spirit baptized. And we've, we've seen this before. Uh, the people who have been spirit baptized, the apostles, the disciples, and we'll see... Well, we don't have time in this series to look at every example in Acts and Spirit Baptism. Actually, there's non-apostles that lay hands on people and they're baptized in the Spirit as well. And so Paul prayed. He laid his hands on these believers in Ephesus who'd been saved, water baptized. And as he prayed for them and laid hands on, they were Spirit baptized. And immediately, the evidence of their Spirit Baptism was evident. They began to speak in tongues and prophesy. What is speaking in tongues? As I said, next Sunday, gateway into the supernatural. We're going to talk a lot more about it. But speaking in tongues, the Bible tells us, is simply praying to God in a language you don't know. And we'll explain why that is a gift from God and all the benefits of it. Prophesying, on the other hand, is allowing God to speak through you to others in a language you do know. So that's the difference. And in this case, they both spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, as we go through all the examples in Acts, tongues is always seen as the evidence of spirit baptism. In Acts, it's always present. Prophesying is only seen on some occasions. So prophesying may or may not be present. Now, during this series... I've asked uh, you to do three things if you've been here the first two Sundays. If you haven't been, that's okay. I'll still ask you to do these three things. Uh, the first thing is to, during the month of January, to pray and 
and to seek God for more of his power. If you haven't been spirit baptized, seek him for that, just as I did years ago. Be open. If you never heard of it before, or perhaps you had wrong teaching that wasn't biblical, be open to new things. Be open to reading God's word and seeing what he has to say about it. Secondly, read through the book of Acts in January. See if what I'm saying is true. Am I accurately quoting God's word? Am I taking things out of context or not? I don't believe I am. I'm sure I'm not. Uh, but read through for yourself. Thirdly, read the book that called Power for Life. Uh, it's available out there. We're making it available to every family to take up a copy. We strongly encourage you not to just take a copy and put it on your shelf and let it collect dust. Uh, it's there for you to read. And uh, it's going to have a lot of stories about God working today uh, through the Holy Spirit's power in people's lives as well as talking about uh, basically the subtitle to the book, which I can't read up there, is what, you know, why every believer needs to be spirit baptized or something pretty close to that. And it's going to talk a lot about spirit baptism at all, as well, even going into other scriptures that we don't have time to go through in this series. So I strongly encourage you to read through that book, read through it while we're in this series uh, so you don't forget about it. So, in our last point today, I want to go through some simple steps uh, to receive spirit baptism. As I said, there's a lot more instruction in this book, Power for Life. But we're going to go through some of the basics right here uh, this morning. First of all, focus on worshiping Jesus. Sometimes people get hung up on all kinds of things, uh, tongues and Holy Spirit, and focus on worshiping Jesus. Who does the Bible tell us baptizes in the Holy Spirit? Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who on the day of Pentecost began to pour out the Holy Spirit on everyone who asked. And he continues to pour out the Spirit on everybody who asks. So focus on worshiping Jesus. Focus on drawing near to Jesus. It's the key to being uh, Spirit baptized. Now, be sure there's no unrepented sin in your life. I mean, if you're doing things you know are wrong and you don't want to quit, uh, it's hard to draw near to God. It's, it's going to be a barrier between you and God. Now, God doesn't ask you to be perfect, but he does ask us as believers to repent of things we know are wrong and turn away from those things. Secondly, allow somebody spirit-baptized to pray for you. We see this over and over again in the book of Acts. Now, sometimes a person can be spirit-baptized uh, by praying on their own. That's what I did. Now, to be honest, the only person I knew who was spirit-baptized was this girl, and she wasn't really totally comfortable at that point praying for other people one-on-one. -on -one. But... Uh, I know multiple people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit praying on their own. But oftentimes, if people have trouble praying on their own, uh, ask somebody to pray for you who's been spirit-baptized already. And it's fine if that's... You've never prayed to have somebody pray for you, and it happens then as well. And then simply ask Jesus to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus said, If you then, are evil, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
Now, this is a, a little-known scripture uh, because it doesn't fit in with the paradigm that everybody is spirit-baptized at salvation. But who wrote the Gospel of Luke? Luke. So there's actually a lot about the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of Luke because he wrote Acts and Luke. And so Jesus is saying here, you have to ask the Father to give you the Holy Spirit. It's not automatic. Many people are not Spirit-baptized. Simply, they've never asked for the gift. Never asked. Next, believe that Jesus is baptizing you with the Holy Spirit. Believe that he will do it. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you've received it, and it will be yours. And so this is true of any prayer that we pray, including asking God to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. You need to ask in faith. If you don't believe, you're not going to receive. It's as simple as that. But if you believe, then you will receive. So faith is incredible and important. How do you get faith to believe God for to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? By reading God's Word. Faith comes through the Word of God. That's what happened with me. I read it over and over again until I said, this makes sense. This is what God is saying. I believe it. I believe it's for today. And when I asked, I believed it was going to happen. Scripture teaches us that the gift of spirit baptism is not available just to a select few. It's available to every believer. And then finally, simply begin to speak in tongues. Acts 2.4, which is really the, the classic example of spirit baptism, is they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the initial filling with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So in this verse, who began to speak in tongues? Was it the Spirit or the disciples? Well, it was they began to speak in other tongues. They began to speak as the Spirit enabled them. And so as you submit your tongue to the Spirit and begin to speak, the Spirit will give you the language, the, the words, the sounds to speak. Some people keep their teeth clenched shut and dare the Holy Spirit to make them speak. And it's just not going to happen that way. It's, uh, you must begin to speak as the Spirit moves you upon, uh, as, as you pray and ask. And so this Sunday, as we um, get to the close, we're going to, first of all, give people an opportunity to pray to be saved because salvation is the first step in becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. And to become a believer, you need to admit that you've sinned. Repent of that sin. Put your faith and trust. Believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Believe He's alive today. He died and rose from the dead. And commit your life to following Him as your Lord. To obeying everything He commanded us to do. And Two of his commands to every believer are to be water baptized and secondly, to be spirit baptized. So let's bow our heads right now. If you've never prayed a prayer like this, if you're not sure you're a believer this morning, I encourage you to pray with me or perhaps you prayed some time ago and you feel like you've drifted from God. It's, it's never a bad thing to recommit your life to him. So Let's pray. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've been doing the things I wanted to do, not what you want me to do. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead. 
He's in heaven today. I put my trust in him. I commit myself to following Jesus as my Savior and as my Lord. I commit myself to doing everything he commands me to do in his word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.